Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hello, James. Hello. And also with me is Echo journalist, Neil Jones. Hello, Neil. Hello. Now, the pair of views were, we may as well go straight into it, the pair of views were at Leicester on uh, Monday night to witness Liverpool produce a fantastically bad performance. James, what was your... Now that it's been almost 24 hours after the game, what's your thoughts on the game? Was it as bad as it seemed at the time? Or was it worse? Probably worse, actually, yeah. Um, just just baffled by how poor Liverpool were on the night. I think I think we've kind of touched upon it in the the analysis on the game. Just you know, I think everyone, apart from those 11 players in, in red shirt, seemed to expect and know that there was going to be a, a Leicester City reaction. Um, you know, After all the flack that they'd taken... For the part they played in Ranieri's downfall, um, you know, I, I think they were always going to start the game brightly and be on the front foot, combative and in Liverpool's faces. And Liverpool just couldn't handle it. And you know, the tone was set inside the first 20 seconds when Vardy uh, lunged at, at Mane and left his studs on his boot. You know, he was lucky to get away with that. But... Do you think that might have been a, a plan? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. It, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I mean, whether whether they purposely targeted Mane, I'm not sure or not, but. You know, they certainly they certainly made it. You know, they they were just first to everything. They won battles all over the pitch, and uh, and then you know even you know, Liverpool were lucky to get to like the twenty minute mark, still at nil nil, and that they started to have like a half decent little spell. Where you thought you know just starting to get a foothold in the game, but created absolutely nothing, like no spark. It was so slow and predictable going forward, and then the defensive frailties um, that we've seen previously cost them. Cost them dear, and you know what was so excruciating to watch was just how basic it was. You know, Leicester didn't have to work very hard for their goals. You know, the Liverpool's defensive line was ridiculously high, considering the the pace of Vardy, and you know it was it was just simple balls in behind for for him to chase onto. You know, I felt sorry for Lucas Leiva, absolutely torrid night for him. But you know, I don't think any blame should really be apportioned to him because you know he was he was put in that position and did his best. And you know you can't you can't make up for a lack of pace. You know I think Matip has to look at himself. He should have taken more responsibility on the on the night. But it, yeah, it was just a, a thoroughly miserable performance all round. And Liverpool got exactly what they deserve. Neil, as strange this is to to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you feel as though Liverpool perhaps underestimated Leicester, even though they are the Premier League champions? Because it, it seemed it seemed as though it was a little bit back to last season where everybody thought, ah, it's Leicester. You yeah. know. And, I mean, I, I, I'd hope that, and I, I would imagine that nobody at Liverpool would ever, ever even come close to admitting something like that. You know, Coutinho sort of said it about the whole game, didn't he? So we weren't one hundred percent focused. Like, like James said, everyone knew what was going. On. I mean, I spoke to a lot of Liverpool fans over the weekend before the game, and to a man, they were they, they all, they all thought they were going to get beat on Monday night. The only person I met who thought Liverpool weren't. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think he was just doing it for the cameras. James. <laughs> that would be James, by the way. Yeah, but um, yeah, Mulby, we saw him in, in the press room beforehand, and he was very confident. He said he's going to be 4 0 to Liverpool. And <laughs> it was like, you know, like, even even James sort of went, like, What? Somebody else dressed up as Jan Mulby? No, it was definitely Jan. Yeah. He, he, uh, he was in this morning, um, standing by his prediction. Uh, in fact, he said 4-0, but I, I pointed out that I, I did think Liverpool would get one. So, it was, uh, I was nearly right. You were nearly right, yeah. yeah. But no, I, 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 surely Liverpool can't underestimate 
at anyone in the Premier League after the results they've had this season. There's no excuse if Liverpool thought there'd be an easy game. And the way that the results have gone this season, there's more chance of them underestimating someone like Arsenal than someone like Leicester. I mean, Neil was on the ratings last night, James, and uh, he wasn't very complimentary towards most of the players, but one player who he said had a decent game was Emery Chan. Now, he's, he's still a very divisive you know, play when it comes to the fan base, certainly with the press, because I mean, I was looking at what ratings were handed out for the game from the, the other national media, and half of them said he was the worst player on the pitch, and half of them said he was Liverpool's best player. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, it's where do you go from that? You know, he's he's been a player we've spoken about a lot, and with Jordan Henderson having been, you know, obviously he was missing, he could miss out against Arsenal. I mean, you you reported that this morning. Is Emery Chan going to be somebody who's going to have to? Well, not be picked on quite as much because I think it was Neil. You mentioned something about he looked like somebody who actually cared the way yeah, things were going. Yeah, that's your Joe Rimmer. You said that this morning. One of my know, obviously, in the office. Yeah, it goes. That's, how, that's yeah. how I, I saw it. I, I mean, I, I didn't think he had a decent game in terms of well, decent in comparison. But, decent uh, yeah, in comparison he was, he was to the rest of them. He was, well, second half. I thought he showed a little bit of metal, and he showed someone. He went back to the left side of centre half. You know, which. We've seen him play in the back three before, <laughs> yes. haven't we? And it ended that season ended pretty, pretty horribly for him and for Liverpool. But I just thought he looked like someone who was ready to roll his sleeves up and say, "Actually, I'm not having this. I can't. This isn't good enough." But unfortunately, the damage was already done when he he go he decides to turn into to Pele and start going on, on forward runs and setting up chances. <laughs> but James, no Jordan Henderson, and uh, again, he's one of those players that. Still, Liverpool. Some Liverpool fans seem to underestimate his value to the team, don't they? Yeah, I'm not sure they will. Have, I mean, sat through that last night. I think you know that kind of graphically illustrated Henderson's importance to the team. Um, he was a huge miss. Just you know, aside from what he does, you know, in terms of what he gives the team, you know, with the ball and the energy without the ball. Just you know, the, the lack of leadership on that pitch last night was just absolutely galling. Um, you know, he said before about the way that Leicester were in Liverpool's faces from the start, and you know, it was just, you know, just they they seemed rudderless last night. You know, nobody nobody was was stepping up, and there was no confrontation. Was that you know, usually when things are going against you like that, you expect someone to to lose their rag, either with their teammates or with the opposition or with the referee. Not a single Liverpool player booked, which. Spoke volumes as well, I think, about the way that they rolled over. And was there no Leicester play books except, as well? No, there's no bookings at all. No, and it was, yeah, it was, it was tough to take. Um, I agree with Neil. I thought, I thought Chad did all right. I think, he, I think he is just one of those players that when Liverpool are bad, he's just like a, a lightning rod for criticism. Um, a bit like you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to consider your position after that result. Um, so I actually I didn't think he was too bad. I mean, Wijnaldum was absolutely terrible. Yeah, you know, Firmino, people, Firmino was awful. Yeah, it was. You know, and, and even Coutinho. I know Coutinho yeah. had a go last twenty minutes, but the game was gone by then. You know, it was that was the that was you know Liverpool actually finished the game quite brightly. But you just thought, what's the point now? Why why are you having a go now? Because it's it's finished. You, you had to show this attitude an hour before. We said that last night. We in the stadium. We said. It's it's the ultimate sort of uh, mind trick that Liverpool attempted. The Paul Ince, the Paul Ince thing. If you remember when, when Paul Ince played for Liverpool, Liverpool fans used to say all the time, oh, I can't stand that Paul Ince. All he does is the last 10 minutes, he throws a few tackles and mm. get beat 2-1. And everyone goes away thinking, oh, Paul Ince really had a go there, didn't he? That's and for 80 minutes, he'd, he'd been as bad as anyone else. I saw Everton do it at Watford earlier in the season. They got beat 3-2. Yeah, we were there. And we were there, yeah. yeah you yeah. were there, weren't we? And we, we came out and we were like, 
Everton, oh, yeah, they nearly got something out of that game. It was like, they were awful for like for the majority of it. If Liverpool had got even a second goal back, it would have been. It could have been. Well, do you think Leicester maybe just ran themselves out though? They'd done a bit anyway, hadn't they? They didn't have I to think, do any more. I, I think Leicester probably felt that if it got tight, they'd get another one. Yeah, well, drink water, Mister City. Yeah, he yeah. should have. He should have scored a fourth later. Yeah, but oh, I can't say you're saying, James. No, no, just you know, even when Liverpool did have a, a decent spell in in the final quarter, you know, Leicester still had. You know, it was never, it was never like nowhere near the standard that we've expected from from Liverpool this season going forward. Um, just didn't function in in any departments, and and I think the, like Neil touched upon it in his analysis. Just you know, the fact that you know it was it looked like only one team had something to play for last night. And, and everyone knew that Leicester, as we said, would, would come out strong, you know, fighting against relegation, having dropped into the bottom three over the weekend. But that was a huge game for Liverpool. And and to, to perform that poorly, you know, when you think a victory last night could have put them up, well, would have put them up to third. And you think of all the excuses that have been kind of used for when Liverpool have fallen short this season, it, it tends to have revolved around fatigue and lack of preparation time and Klopp moaning about, you know, only being able to recover and not working on things. Well, Liverpool had 16 days to prepare for that. And I think, you know, the stat was, was doing the rounds yesterday about, you know, Liverpool's fantastic record when they've got a full week between matches. Um, so that was that was just what made it so much more difficult to, to take because it, it, was, it was, you know, spineless, pathetic, you know, whatever you, you want to call it. It was, you know, it, it, as bad as anything. I think Liverpool have served up under Klopp in those circumstances. You know, they've don't get me wrong. Leicester did well, and they they will. You know, they you know, obviously there'll be a debate, obviously about you know what happened with Ranieri, and you know obviously they've been cheating him in terms of not delivering to anywhere near that level in in recent weeks and months. But you know, that was you know I'm, I spoke to a lot of angry Liverpool fans. Uh, last night and this morning, and you know who were down there, and I can understand why because you know that they, they had good reason to expect an awful lot better than that. Now Jamie Carragher was on Sky Sports covering the game for Monday Night Football, and he he spoke afterwards, and he basically said that you know the blame has to lie with Jurgen Klopp for the team he selected, and a few fans have been you know like, like James, I've spoken to a few fans today, and they were saying, eighteen months ago, if you'd have said there's a Liverpool team that's got Mignolet in goal and Lucas and Milner in yeah. defence, you know, regardless of how well they played this season or, or or otherwise, you wouldn't have said, "Well, that's the team to take Liverpool forward," would you? No, no, absolutely not. And you think they ended it with another midfielder in defence as well. So it, it was three of the back five, if you like, were were, were made up of midfielders. Um, it was, yeah. It, like, to be honest, Lucas, it's one of them, isn't it? With with Lucas, where you get what you get from Lucas in terms of you get. You can get away with it on the odd game and the certain type of game, but if you keep playing a midfielder in defence or a midfielder left back, eventually people find out that he's a midfielder playing in in, in defence. And you know, Harry Kane is is not a bad player for Lucas to play up against because he's sort of he, he faces up and he, he plays with his back to goal and he, you know he doesn't Lucas can get tight to him because he knows he's nothing's going to go over his head and, and worry him. But if you if you had to say. The worst player that Lucas could have played against in any situation would probably be probably Alexis Sanchez on Saturday and, and Jamie Vardy on on Monday. Might put might put Lukaku in there as well as I thought. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. Um, but like, 
that was obvious, wasn't it? That was obvious to everyone, and that was why it was so good. Like James said, it's not his fault. Lucas Lucas can't suddenly buy a little, you know, extra pack, <laughs> from, you know, like FIFA and, and then add, add pace on Gianni fifteen and plus fifteen to his pace. He, he, he is what For he one is. game only, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, or, or, or disconnect halfway yeah. through. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> three nil. Yeah, not playing anymore. Take the draw. Um, but no, I, I, so. For me, I think the blame has to lie with a the manager for setting them up. I mean, surely it's not that hard to say, Matip, you're faster than Lucas. Just so, follow, so follow, you Vardy. follow Vardy. Lucas, yeah. you sweep, you you do the cover and yeah. whatever. There was a moment in the second half where I think it was drink water, sweat one out of the left wing, and Matip and Lucas crossed on the way to Lucas was on the way to Vardy, and Matip crossed and went to, to cover. And you think you go, you go and do it because Lucas has, has not got him. As it happens, Vardy skins him, and in the end, I think Wayne Alden got back in and made like a good challenge on on Akazaki, yeah. And it was it was it was simple things, you know. You play Saturday league football or, or, or five aside, and you know if if you're if you leave a slower teammate against a quicker player, someone else has to go over and help, and people just weren't doing that. It was it was it was kamikaze at times. Liverpool, they were, Leicester weren't even playing good balls. They were just they were just hitting them over the top and out to well, look at the first the goal. The yeah. first goal was just... Well, even that one yeah, before that they got away with, the, which was just yeah, a, a Schmeichel yeah. hunt downfield. And, yeah. you know, it was a great touch for Vardy, but, you know, he's got away from both yeah, centre-backs. Yeah. And I do think that is a real weakness with Matip. I, I really like Matip. And even in the first half last night, you know, the way you know, he's so comfortable in possession, the way he brings it out, but he, he doesn't talk enough. He's not, yeah. a, he's not a leader. I think, you know, I think he could well be part of a successful Liverpool team going forward in the years to come. But Klopp's going to go and have to buy a centre half, I think, to play alongside him because you know, that that was a perfect example last night where he had, you know, as, as the senior, you know, let's, let's not forget, was he played like two hundred games, games plus World for, Cup. for Schalke? Yeah. You know, he's, he's, you know, it's it was it was ludicrous, really, that you know, yeah, Klopp, and I, you know, you're right. I think I've spoke to a lot of fans who were really angry with Klopp last night. Probably one of the few times where Klopp has been in the spotlight more than the the players as such, but. But also in terms of like managing the game on the field, you know, you know I was disappointed in Matip because you know, it was just common sense, and you know, it, it was it's it just one of those things where you know he has to he, he's got to look after more than just his own game. You know, it was just, you know he, if he's if he's as good as we all hope he is, then he has to start using his brain more and, and his mouth as well. No, sorry, Neil. Yeah, I was going to say about centre halves, it's it, there's not many good ones either. You look around, you know. Well, that's that's just that's I, football, isn't it? Yeah, because I, the way the rules have gone and the way the game's gone over the past 10, I, 15, well, I 20 think, well, years. I think it's the coaching as well. I think the way the way teams are set up, every manager has his philosophy, don't they? And you'll never get... You might get a Tony Pulis or an Allardyce talk, but you'll never get a manager who comes out and goes, tell you what my philosophy is. We never can see the goal. <laughs> you know, nil-nil is the minimum we get today. It's always my, we'll dominate the ball and we'll create these chances, we'll, we'll have this movement, we'll have this, you know. And it almost feels like defensive coaching now is almost just just react, react to when you lose the ball. Don't, it, there's, no, there's not a structured thing, almost, you know, and Liverpool certainly don't look like they, they, they have a, a good enough structure to deal with, with pressure and high ball pressure. Long throws. I mean, what was it like last night? That first twenty-five minutes, with the long throws. I think I think it affected Liverpool's passing the long throws because I think they were scared to go to Klein or to Mane in case the ball went out of play for the throwing. You know, in case 
Leicester were knocking it in for the channel, so Lucas would have to run across and head it out for a throw in, and then and then it was it was bedlam. I mean, it wasn't just first and second balls. It got to the eighth ball at one stage, didn't it? But Leicester <laughs> won that as well. I think drink water. That's what that came from. Off the long the set throw. Goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because was a great strike. You know, Danny drink water suddenly decides that he's 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 back. That, 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 that <laughs> happens, doesn't it? England's so. Danny drink water. Now, so centre backs. I'm gonna have to mention our friend Mamadou Sakho here. Now, we're not going to debate whether he's coming back or not or anything like that, but obviously... <laughs> James you know, won't allow yeah, he won't allow that. Now, obviously, he played for Crystal Palace. They kept the clean sheet, etc., etc. But what I'm going to talk about is, is He defensive. did keep out free-scoring Middlesbrough. That we yeah, all right, all right, all right. OK, <laughs> now, OK. No, Franklin stop, Barisi. stop. Pack it in. Right. So, point of order there, James Pearce. The point I'm going to make is, one thing you can't deny about him, though, is that he's a character. He's somebody who gets stuck in. He rouses the crowd. He's, he rouses the play- He's a centre-back and he rouses the players around him as well. They seem to respond for him. Does that kind of thing, that was missing from Liverpool? Well, he, he played last season at Leicester, didn't he? Sacco. Well, I'm not yeah. saying... I'm, no, not saying this, I, I, I'm not talking about this game as... You know, no, I know what you mean. I'm like, talking yeah. about the whole thing. But the, yeah. Clavin was on the bench as well. You know, an international centre-back. He's played hundreds of... Well, yeah. Hundreds of games professionally, plenty for Estonia, you know, for his country. Okay, but he's Estonia. just as—he's probably just as slow as Lucas. That's the, that's he's at least a centre back, you know, in terms <laughs> yeah. of he, he might—he might know his limits and say, "Well, I'll tell you what, I won't. I'll just—I'll just play a little bit cuter than maybe a midfielder who, who might think I can—I can do this." But yeah. So going back to to the Sacco points, yeah, are Liverpool missing somebody with the kind of basically the fire in the belly like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's a shortage of. Yeah, of of characters like that in the team, and I think yeah, you're right. Those are the strengths of Sacco. Um, you know that that big personality, and he was a talker as well. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it really. No, we're not, there's no point. No, no, we're not. We're not, we're not, like, no, 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 I'm not talking think, about bringing him back. I'm talking about think, a player like a player think, like his his yeah yeah, yeah. his but character. I think the bigger issue is not the fact that Klopp showed him the door, but that Liverpool weren't well, equipped well enough in that department. To maintain a challenge this season, because you look at who we got rid of last summer. Obviously, Colo Torre. Hmm. Um, Again, he's been. A, he yeah. would have played but, an awful lot of games, wouldn't he? Yeah, but you know, it talk about pace. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it, that he would have been running in treacle against Vardy <laughs> last night as well. And Skirtle, I don't think too many people were crying at Skirtle's exit. And then Sacco, you know, you, regardless of whether you you love Sacco or not, you, know, you you have to back the manager on that. Is you know, in terms of. The, the, that relationship had completely broken down. Um, so, you know, Klopp's not going anywhere, so Sacco had to. Um, but the bigger problem is that Liverpool didn't didn't address that situation well enough. I think Clavan did OK in spells, but you only have to look at the fact where he is now in the pecking order to see that he clearly hasn't impressed Klopp that much. Gomez, of course, um, well, not ready yet. Yeah, he's nowhere, he's nowhere Gomez, near. nowhere near ready. Um, you know, Lucas, we touched upon, has, has performed really well at times, but... He is limited in that position. Lovren and Matip clearly is first choice combination, but you know even Lo- Lovren, Lovren get, f- gets a lot of injuries. Yeah, and, you know, they, all, all, they all do. Sacco, Sacco yeah. Lovren and Matip, all yeah. three of them missed too many games for a centre back, yeah. in mm. my opinion. You can't you can't build a partnership around two players who get a lot of yeah. one or two game injuries where they got a little you know tight hamstring can't play this week and they're back in the following week. Another thing that Jamie Carragher said to Sky. Uh, he mentioned the fact that Liverpool fans in particular are guilty of kidding themselves when things are going well. And I think he was referring to Lucas playing centre-back or Milner playing left-back. I think that's kind of a, a wider issue there that 
they do, you know, all sets of fans have extremes. Like, for example, you might say Manchester United fans, they're the most arrogant. At the most extreme, they're arrogant. You know, yeah. the, the certain other fans. But Liverpool fans, at their extreme, they tend to be, for want of a better word, slightly deluded, don't they? And then that's not a go with the fans. That's Ooh, not a go with the fans. That is, Sounds very much like saying, No, that's not a go with yeah. the fans. That's because they, you know, if you look at the first half of the season, I made a note here of the stats. In the first 11 games this season, the Premier League, Liverpool won eight. And of the three that didn't draw, two didn't win, sorry, two were draws against Manchester United and Spurs. But since the international break in November, when they came back and had that goalless draw at Southampton, yeah. which was the first sign of, like, as the team is going to put everybody behind the ball and just frustrate them, they've only won six of 15 league games. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that, there is that. I think a lot of, a lot of people are just generally in, in, in sport. I do this, you know, I, I've, I've read a, a thing about basketball where... It's called the hot streak theory, and people assume that if a, a basketball player makes a, a three-pointer, they assume he's got a better chance the next time he takes it. When the, st- the stats show that it's not, you know, it's, it's a start fresh. And I think you get guilty sometimes of assuming that because something's happening now, it'll be ca- it'll carry on happening. And you know, I think a lot of people feared this, and uh, the amount of people after we we wrote about Tottenham, the Tottenham game, saying Liverpool, you know, back to some something like some form. The amount of people had said. Wait till Leicester. You know, unless you do it against Leicester, we won't believe it. And they were proven right. These people went in terms of you can't you can't rest on it. And I think Liverpool players, I think, as much as anything, have a tendency to think, okay, we're we're going well now. We're back, and 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 maybe don't refresh and start again and go. We've got to, We've got to just treat it as if we're still playing poorly. Almost. James, might the players then be hiding behind this sense of? The inevitable, like they, while they they're in control of the situation, they're the ones who can say, "Oh, well, we'll go out and we'll beat Leicester here." They can almost they're kind of getting wrapped up in this whole. They can feel the kind of not negativity, but the feeling that oh, hang on, you know, we could get beat here at Leicester. It's because it's that. Then that comes down to a mentality thing, doesn't it? Well, basically, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is basically, do they have the mentality? This group of players, no, to actually go out and because no. you see that in the, in the inconsistency, don't you? Yeah. Because that's why this season is so difficult to make sense of because you know it's it's not it's not black and white. You can't say that this group of players are rubbish because they're not, are they? Because no. they've gone to Arsenal and won, they've gone to Chelsea and won, they've beaten Tottenham, they've beaten Manchester City, unbeaten against what teams in the, the top seven. Um but, you know, I think I think what we've seen repeatedly is a number of issues when they come up against lesser teams and, and, and certainly teams that that try and get in their faces and unsettle them. Liverpool, Liverpool just uh, just haven't haven't been able to to handle that. And uh, you know that is you know it's that that's why there's you know there, there was that sense of deja vu at the King Power Stadium because we've 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 seen it so often this this season against against lesser teams where you know, they haven't been able to break teams down. I think they're too predictable when when teams defend deep. They they pack those central areas. They try to force them into out, out wide, knowing that you know last night, you know you you know w- you know of course Leicester were quite happy for Klein and Milner to be trying to sling balls into the box when you've got Huth and Morgan against Firmino, who was awful on the night. So no, I, 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 but I think yeah, there is there is a, a definitely a mentality problem there. Um, but I think I think last night would have shocked Klopp because. You know, as we said before, you know the, the various other excuses that have been 
been used to kind of make allowances for those weaknesses this season. Klopp would know there was absolutely no excuses for that last night. And I think, you know, probably last night was one of those occasions when the penny drops with him that that some of those players aren't as good as he, he thought they were. And that will, I think that will lead to a very busy summer at Anfield uh, come the end of the season. Do you feel, Neil, that perhaps Jurgen Klopp is now in danger of paying the price for not selecting certain players more often? By which I mean... Now he's clearly going to have to make some kind of changes. You mean, you mean like the Moreno? Like you're Mimi. looking at Moreno, and I know Sturridge has been unwell or, or whatever's wrong with him. He has played all the time anyway. Yeah. And the Rigi had a little spell, but he's not played as much. And the thing is, after that, you kind of struck going, well, hang on, who else is going to come in? Yeah. And then that underlines another problem. With the, the, lack fact, of the lack of depth in the squad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I think one thing that I think about Liverpool, I, I think about Arsenal as well, and that's why it's I'm quite interested in what happens on Saturday, really. I think of all the teams in the top six, I think they're the two that need the most things to go their way to win to win any game. I think Liverpool Liverpool and Arsenal, if something happens to disrupt them, i.e. a slow start or an early goal or a, a, a dodgy decision, I think they, they're the team that, that don't seem to be able to handle that and mm. find a way through it. Like Tottenham can't. Manchester United can't even... Albeit United are below Liverpool in the league, uh, you know I think I would I would be more comfortable with Manchester United going away to Hull, Watford, anywhere mm. anywhere in the league Look at, at the it, moment. How many games are they going to beat in the Premier League now? Yeah, God knows a lot, too many. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I would say, I wouldn't I wouldn't accuse Klopp of underusing certain players. I don't I don't think there's any anyone on that bench who's been on the fringes who can really. Say they've been hard done by. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have when no, they when they had you know pull a couple of results. He you know you know that he, he tends to stick more or less with the same group of thirteen players. That's because players. he sees them in training every day, doesn't he? And you know, like I, I had a look on my Twitter mentions today, which is never a good idea. And <laughs> the, um, it is for us. Amidst, looking all, at your to, yeah. Amidst all the abuse, I've I got told that you know basically Alberto Moreno is the savior. And it's an absolute yeah. disgrace that he hasn't been playing. Uh, Moreno's not good enough for Liverpool. He would never be good enough for Liverpool. And, and buying a left back this summer is absolutely key. Um, yeah. And and then the other one is another guy said to me, um, you know, I'm sick to death of Shea Ojo being overlooked. And it's Shea Ojo, Mister Ojo. And and you're like. No, come on, there's, there's, yeah. and it is the old adage that you, you, you're at your best, aren't you, when you're not playing. It's a bit like that with Sacco as well. The kind of stop bringing it. No, no, it just is. It is because because he hasn't played for so long. People, yeah. you know, you get all you know sentimental with, with, with Moreno. I think the issue I, I have is that we've seen Liverpool struggle against the teams that park the bus and do the same things over and over. Now, what you lose with Milner playing at left back is a left footer in the team. But B, you lose James Milner for 20 minutes, right mid, you know, keeping a full-back occupied. We've seen James Milner for, for in big games for Manchester City and for Liverpool last season make a difference by being high up the pitch, playing right mid or so, or attacking centre midfield. Dortmund? Dortmund, exactly. Yeah. You know, Everton in the in the fall, you know, he set up the he opened two, I think, didn't he, with, with crosses from, from the right and from the left. That hasn't been there for Liverpool. James Milner's played left-back and... To be honest, he looks shot at the moment, James Milner, in terms of his legs look like they've gone. He, last night there was one that Chan rolled to him, and it was like, 
I, it looked like he... Like watching it, you on a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, well, with the pass or the other. <laughs> um, it looked like James Muller was waiting for a text to say that he could go and go attack the boy. You know, it, it hasn't come through yet, so I better leave. And he ended up, I think he ended up getting cleared against him and went out for a goal kick. But that's, it's not his fault. He's playing left back. He's done a great job, James Muller, left back, in, yeah. terms of, in terms of overall. We'll look back on this season and say, do you know what, that lad was 31 and he, was, he played, asked to play left back for the season. And what a good job he did. But I think Liverpool could do with a little bit of that. Funny enough, in that closing 15 minutes, he started doing a few things that I wanted Liverpool to do more of in terms of just knocking it into the channel for Origi to run after and then, and then follow it and, and see if he can get on the end or something. And as it happens, Liverpool had a few shots at goal. But that's not been there this season. They've, they've been so stretched in terms of everything's had to be perfect in terms of you know, Firmino's had to have a good game. Mane's had to be there. Lallana's had to be fit and, and available. Henderson's had to be fit and available. And if one of those things comes out, Liverpool seem to lose a lot. There's been a suggestion, well, not so much a suggestion, as quite a lot of people are saying it's a matter of fact that Liverpool are perhaps too predictable, certainly yeah. over the last three or four months. Moreno, as a player, is somewhat unpredictable, <laughs> so to say the least. Especially with his hairstyle. Yes. So do you feel, and you know, I, a couple of weeks ago now, Months ago, actually, advocated perhaps giving him a go at left mid just because he offered something a bit different. You're still having none of that. Well, the awkward thing is, he doesn't really play with a left midfielder, does he? Klopp in his favour. No. Well, would you have him as one of the three in well, centre midfield? Well, he well there's still a point. Then you can change the team around. He's going to have to do something. Against yeah, Arsenal, but, I mean, then, would you, we'll, we'll, we saw it on the opening day, Alberto yeah. Reyna against Walcott in the first, first game, and that was, was that his last league start, Moreno? No, he played against Palace. Yes, yeah, he he quite yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, last but one league yeah. start basically yeah. that was on the opening day against Arsenal, and he and he was he was missing in action, wasn't he, for 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 the first certainly for the first half and for most of the second. So, can can you can you bring Alberto Moreno I, back I in again? I, I'd be amazed if he if he shook things up that much for the weekend. Okay, so it, I just think we'll, we'll because it, because it, you know that was ten of the what was that ten of the eleven players last night who beat Tottenham two weeks earlier. Yeah. So you know. I mean, I think it was just a different type of game, and we found yet again that Liverpool can't handle that different type of game. And you know, Lovren should come back into the back four on Saturday. That that will be one obviously nailed on change. But you know, what, what else can he? What else can he really do? I mean, Sturridge has missed what ten days training. So could well be on the bench, but you know, it would it would be a it would be a bold move to throw him straight back in the side, despite the fact that that Firmino arguably produced his worst display of the season. Um, you know, you look at the bench last night and there, were, there was very few options. You know, you talk about Origi. You know, again, like even when he came on last night, you know, it was, there were times when, you know, he, he was out-muscled and out-fought for the ball and, you know, that was, that was like a real strength of his last season when he was enjoying a real rich vein of form when he was, that ability to hold the ball up and bring others into play. So I, I just... I don't think he's got that many options at the moment to change. I know what you mean. He could he could do something radical like throwing Moreno in, but with how well Liverpool have performed in those big games, and Arsenal will come and play, they won't they won't lump long balls in behind like like Leicester did. They won't have there won't be an aerial bombardment from throw-ins and 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 set pieces and all the rest of it. Just it's just a very different type of game that will suit. This Liverpool team don't, a lot better. Don't you don't you think that Arsene Wenger will have been looking at that last night or looking at whatever 
he's seen over the last few weeks and just be saying to Olivier Giroud, make sure you're warm because you're playing against Liverpool on Saturday. I, I, I know a lot of people doubt whether Arsene Wenger is the type that will go that type of that way in terms of roughing up and, and playing, changing it up and going along and stuff. But if he's got surely if he wants if he wants to finish in the top four, his best chance is to say. We will change it up a little bit, and we'll we'll use your room. We'll get Sanchez off, and we'll get whoever else off, and it will be. So, so if Arsenal do it, why can't Liverpool change? Well, the yeah, but how long has it taken Arsenal Wenger to get? Well, I mean, he hasn't even done it yet. No, but if it has, it would be it would be an incredible development in the Arsenal Wenger plot. But if I was if I was him, and my my whole season was my whole Arsenal legacy is on the line if if, if he doesn't finish in the top four and win a trophy this season, I think I'd be. Let's hope he doesn't. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and or, or let's hope. Tell them to be a little pretty. Trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, if Wenger does stay beyond the summer, Andy will. Andy Kelly will obviously hope to see Daniel Sturridge there, so he can be proven right on that yeah, particular one. He's still, Now Liverpool. One final thing. Um, with great timing, twenty-five minutes after the final whistle, they they made an announcement, didn't they, James? And what announcement was this? Peter Moore is the the new uh, chief executive taking over from Ian Eyre. Um, yeah, slightly bizarre timing, which I think some fans thought had been put out as some kind of distraction <laughs> to, to a defeat, like he was going to change the change the agenda. That was what that was what a few people were messaging me last night. I think but, Liverpool were going to save him for before the Arsenal game and parade them on the pitch. <laughs> the shit. But I think the, the truth was actually that it had leaked out elsewhere. Um, mm. So the club brought forward their planned announcement. Um, yeah, a guy with a, you know, a pretty impressive CV in terms of his business achievements. I mean, he was actually Liverpool-born, Keele University educated, and then moved to the States to do a Masters. Um, worked for various top sportswear companies, um, including Reebok, and then into the gaming industry with, um, with Sega, uh, Microsoft... Uh, and then uh, EA uh, heading up the EA Sports division for quite a while, and you know I think you know, the uh, he's got a he's got a very impressive pedigree, and I think you know he, he's he's the perfect fit in terms of it's you know he's a boyhood Liverpool fan. I think there's quotes from him saying that you know he, he lives and dies Liverpool. He, you know his his dad took him to Anfield for the first time. I think when he was four, always been proud of his 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 Liverpool roots, uh, and you know has obviously grasped the opportunity. To come back, and it'll it'll be a very different job he does to the one that Ian Air did, um, because you know this is the kind of the final piece of a management restructure with obviously Billy Hogan being promoted to to um, to MD, uh, Andy Hughes, the, who was the financial guy, being promoted to, to chief operations officer, um, and it'll be more more on the business side of things than football. I mean, of course, Ian Air was responsible for negotiating transfers. And doing player contracts, all of that responsibility now lies with Michael Edwards, the sporting director. So, um, you know, when Peter Moore starts in June, his his focus will be very much on, uh, you know, the uh, in improving Liverpool's uh, business performance. Neil, what's your take on the the new chief exec appointment? Do you feel as though it was? Well, what do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, it's the time, isn't it? It's, it's just I mean, that... it, it was just one of them where. I, I saw it just pop up almost and I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, as, as, as James has said, though, he's not going to have quite the same responsibilities as Ian Er did. And as such, I don't think that he's going to perhaps attract the same amount of scrutiny. 
as Ian Eyre did. Well, have the same yeah. pro- public profile. Yeah, yeah well, well. I can't see him having Robbie Fowler on his shoulder <laughs> <laughs> anytime soon. Let's riding around in Harley. Yeah, let's let's hope. But it's a sign of the times, isn't it? That so much is made of this kind of thing. These partnerships that are signed and these you know appointments that are made everyone wants Liverpool to, to do well and if, if he can help Liverpool do well then he's more than welcome but I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be very heavily scrutinised from day one uh, that'll do us for this edition of the podcast join us later this week where we will look ahead to the game against Arsenal cheerio